I am Dahlia Davies Flanagan, and this is Melanated Mom Talk. It's a weekly podcast about community, culture, and us, the new generation of Black mothers, Black fathers, and our allies. Representation matters, so we are here cultivating a nourishing space for our children of color. Today, we welcome Francesca Flores Clark. Francesca is a mother of three. She has two children that are here on earth, a 13-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son, and one angel baby. Francesca is currently grieving the loss of her youngest daughter, Luna, who was born with a very rare congenital heart disease. And she sadly passed away on January 30th, 2019. Francesca is a working mother. She's been in the entertainment industry for more than 15 years and currently is a post-production supervisor at NBC. After Luna's passing, Francesca and her husband created a foundation to honor their daughter called For Luna's Heart. Their goal is to bring awareness about congenital heart disease and to provide comfort, support, and healing to families suffering from infant loss. Francesca, we thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, Dahlia. I appreciate it. Thank you. Definitely. I know when I saw online, you basically chronicled the the next two days, which was completely heart-wrenching. And... um, Ever since that day, I just wanted to be there for you and to support you. Um, But to be honest, I didn't know how. I didn't know how any of it could, you know, be enough. (laughs) Um, So, um, you know, I feel like people sometimes, especially when like a a loss of a child, especially a, a baby, they don't know how to approach you. They're, they're afraid that like, you don't want to talk about it or they're afraid of like bringing it up. You know, they, it's a very sensitive subject, you know, and I understand that. And, um, people just don't want to bother you or, you know, but it's like, you're really not bothering me. you know, I would tell people you're not bothering me. Um, I was very open to talk about it. So, um, I guess my case was a little different because I know some people where they just didn't want to do anything. But for me, the healing is in the sharing. Um, but I feel like even with my mom and my brothers and like my close friends, they don't really bring it up unless I bring it up. You know, they'll ask me how my day is, how's it going? And of course I cried to my mom and I said, mom, you know, like, this is the worst. And she tells me, I'm sorry, Miha, but like, I can't, I don't understand what you're feeling. The only thing I can do is be here so and and show you support and love. But she's right. Like you said, you, no one understands this pain unless they've experienced it. Um, I had someone the other day, actually, um, a cousin of mine, um, she lives in the Dominican Republic and she was like, she, I had posted a picture, a, a video of Luna. Um, and she was like, don't you think that, um, by you posting these videos, you're reliving your trauma. And I was just kind of like, um, these are the only videos and pictures that I have of my daughter. I'm like, I'm I'm going to share them because this is all I have. And this is what's helping me be transparent with my story where, um, you know, this is a healing for me. This is not, I'm not going to throw this under the rug. I'm not going to forget about it. I'm going to, I'm going to deal with the the emotions that I'm feeling. Like today I miss Luna and I'm going to post a picture of her or post a video because 
hey, it's only been four months that I lost my daughter and I wouldn't tell you, you can't tell people how to grieve. You know what I mean? Grieving is a very yeah. unique to every individual. So, and it's like not linear, you know what I mean? You you have your up and down days. It's it literally like they say, it comes in waves, you know? So definitely, I, I've had both sides of like the why don't you just get over it to the, I'm here for you, you know, and mostly has been positive. Like I'm here for you, but it's not like they're like asking me every day, but they are there. If I can, you know, if I need to, to shout or scream. And I've also do it with, um, with Vincent because he's the only one really who understands us besides the people that I met at the support group. And it's been very helpful to connect with women like that. And, and even families, um, cause husbands go as well that I can call them or text them and say, I'm having a bad day today. How are you feeling? Girl, I feel like, you know, I would just want to scream today, you know? And that has helped yeah. me um, a lot too, just connecting with people that have experienced this. Could you tell us a little bit about what those days were like for you? Can you break down what happened? Sure, definitely. You know, I was awesome. pregnant with Luna. Um, throughout my pregnancy, it was all good. You know, I felt a little, you know, I felt a morning sickness worse than the other, my other two children um, and my other two pregnancies. But other than that, you know, I was good. I was healthy. Um, you know, we had, since my age, we had more um, testing and genetic testing. We had more ultrasounds as well because um, my placenta was like a little bit off-centered. So they just wanted to make sure, you know, she was getting all the nutrients and growing properly. So even at the 20-week scan, we went, you know how they check all the anatomy, they check the organs, the heart, and they checked her heart and they did not see anything. Everything was, you know, everything was cleared um, at that 20 week checkup. Um, then my pregnancy, you know, was fine. Um, I was scheduled for a C-section on the 28th of January. So, you know, of course I had a little bit of nerves, but I went into the hospital um, and then, you know, they were prepping me this, for the C-section went in um you know as soon as luna came out and they literally cut the umbilical cord she was showing signs of um you know she wasn't doing well so she, her breathing was kind of labored so at first they said that they thought it was her lungs that were having like a hard time transitioning and sometimes that happens but um you know i found it kind of strange because she was full term she was like almost eight mm. pounds she was like seven pounds and 15 ounces so it wasn't like she was small or like you know um a, a tiny baby so as soon as she was born they said okay well we have to take your daughter to the nicu um so they took her to the nicu they did those tests they thought it was her lungs and they found out that um something was wrong with her heart actually so the doctors couldn't there the neonatal neonatal um doctors there could not determine what it was and they saw something really wrong with it so they had to transfer her to morgan stanley children's hospital in uh new york presbyterian there they did more tests and um they found out that there was something wrong with her coronary arteries so that was like the 28th of um at late night like around 10 o'clock the next day they were gonna do something called the catheterization where it's literally they put like a camera almost into your into her vein and they um inject ink into her heart to see exactly you know better images of the heart that day was the 29th the next day i had a c-section usually after c-sections you could hardly move 
by the grace of God, I already knew, like, and I knew I wanted to be with Luna because she was transferred. So I was like getting, trying to get up, walk, you know, do everything that I could to like show the doctors I need to get out of here. My doctor came and she was um, able to release me. So I was able to go to, um, to the hospital where Luna was at. When I got there, um, she was, um, getting her catheterization, catheterization. So, um, she wasn't there. So she came back. And as soon as she came back, I knew something was wrong. Cause I was, it was like 15 doctors, um, surrounded mm. like in her room. And I was like, oh my God, something's definitely wrong. So, um, they took us into a room and they sat us down. It was me, my mother, my husband, um, my mother and father-in-law. And we sat there and they basically explained to us that Luna was born with a very rare congenital heart um, defect. And it was called coronary osteoatresia. So basically her coronary arteries, um, which supply oxygenated blood to the heart, the left one was non-existent. It wasn't formed. And then the right one formed on the heart itself. So um, there was no like op uh, attachment or opening because the coronary arteries attached to the aortic artery and that's what flows um, blood into the oxygenated blood into the heart. So there was no attachment or opening because they weren't there. Um, so basically there was no like reconstructive surgery that they could do to try to mend this defect. So the only option um, of survival was a heart transplant. Um, and of course, when I heard that, I was just like, you know, it felt like I was almost like in a dream in shock this wasn't happening to me like even at the when she was born after um before the doc before they transferred her the, the doctor was like she's in critical condition and i didn't even hear that like it literally just went over my head um i was supposed to meet with the heart transplant team the day after and they were going to present luna's case to other um cardiologists there to see if there was anything that they thought that they could kind of try to do to fix this um this defect is, and it was so rare and it was documented only one time before her case. So they really don't, they don't really know much about this condition. Um, so I was able to spend time with her, you know, it was hard to see her like hooked up to all the breathing tubes. I wasn't able to hold her yet. Um, so finally they were prep, they were prepping her and they said, okay, you can hold her. This was like around, um, 10 o'clock at night on the 29th. Um, you know, um, finally I was able to, you know, the nurses came, it was like a whole mission to try to get her to like transfer her from her little bed to me. Cause she was so hooked up to so many of, um, you know, machines. So, um, in the process there, we were holding her, we were talking to her to another doctor and they were talking about something that they could probably put her on, which was called ECMO. And basically it's almost like, I'll just say like, like a dialysis of like the heart and lungs where like her blood is, she's connected, uh, tubes are connected to her neck, uh, her arteries in her neck, and like blood would be pumping out of her body into a machine and getting processed and then back into her body. So they said that if her heart continues to fail, that they were going to do that. And in my head, I honestly did not want to do this because it was so invasive, this procedure, that, um, you know, yeah. I just didn't want to see her like that. But I talked to her dad and we were like, okay, let's just, you know, let's just do it to buy time. Cause my other kids hadn't seen her yet. So I wanted to them at least be able to come and meet her at the hospital. So around 10 o'clock we were there holding her. Um, I held her for like a good, maybe an hour and a half, two hours. Um, I 
gave her back to the nurses. Um, we took a bunch of pictures, all those videos that you see. I'm so grateful for um, that uh, Vincent, you know, was able to take all those videos because I wasn't even thinking about that, you know, but at least he was. And I'm so right. grateful for that. Um, and then around like 1130. Um, I see like the nurses panicking and like, I see her trying to like open something and I'm looking at the machines and I see like her numbers, like getting lower and lower, like, and like, it starts to beep. It was almost like I'm in a movie. Like, you know, when like people, right. like you flatline and you see like the nurses just, yeah. you know, it was like Everybody that. rushes in. Yeah. Um, so I started to bug out, you know, I'm just like, Oh my God, what's happening? Yeah. What's happening? And they were very like, okay, she, you know, her heart, her blood pressure is going down. So my mom and I'm like, Oh my God, you know, cause I'm just like bugging out. So my mom was like, let's step outside the room and let the doctors, you know, try to work on her. Um, so they worked on her for like a good, I think like 40 minutes to like maybe an hour. Um, so they were trying to get her heart back. Um, and basically, uh, she didn't, the, her, she wasn't breathing on her own, on her own. Um, and her heart never, um, started again. So the doctor came in and he was like, listen, we've been working on your daughter for 40 minutes. Her heart, she, her heart's not beating and she's not breathing on her own. And, um, the ECMO procedure that we were talking about is not no longer, um, going to be an option for her because she's lost too much um, oxygen to her brain. So basically they told us that we had to say goodbye. Sorry if I get emotional, <laughs> you know, and mm -hmm. it was just like, I just felt like I was just literally like in a whole girl. Like I was just like, is this really happening? What is going on? Um, so we were able to go back in her room and, um, you know, uh, see her, they, they let me hold her and they took out the breathing tube, you know? And, um, that was the first time that I was able to hold her without all of the, you know, machines and everything, but she already yeah. had passed, had passed. Um, so we were there, we held her and we were with her. They were like, you know, you can spend as much time with her. Um, we were there with her for like probably a good five hours. You know, the hospital was so accommodating. Um, we did like hand molds. Um, you know, we, we were just there. They were just like, we prayed. We all, we like, uh, a priest came. We like baptized her, you know, um, and it was just really, really like, I was so appreciative of the nurses and the people at the hospital because they really are like trained to, to just deal with you know, parents and, and just the situation because it's so traumatic, you know? Um, yes. and then, and then finally we had to say goodbye. And that was like the hardest thing for me to just leave my daughter there. Um, sorry, you know, just her lifeless body. It's crazy. Dahlia. It was just, you know, um, so we did that and, um, yeah. Um, that's pretty much the story. We, we, we left and, um, and then, you know, I felt like she was in a better place though, you know, like she wasn't suffering anymore. And she kind of almost made the decision for us to not put her on that ECMO because in reality, I think about it sometimes and I'm like, Oh, how would it have been? What would she have she been going through? You know, it's just so much like right. how, how long would she have been waiting for a heart? you know, how much can right. her little body take? So, you know, she kind of almost made that decision for us. So 
What is the procedures like in the hospital for grief? They have women there who deal with bereavement and like grief. So they were able to give me some, um, you know, some uh, resources like documents and books. And, you know, they told me if I need them to call them. I already uh, go to counseling and I have my own therapist. So while in the hospital, I already had called my therapist and I had told her what was going on. Just having my mom there also helped, you know, that whole like foundation of like just support. But the hospital did offer that. And um, then the hospital where I gave birth to her, um, they uh, offer a support group, which I've been going to. And they also mailed me a whole bunch of resources to read. And like they mailed me um, some books for the kids. So um, they also mailed me like uh, this little coloring book, you know, just to kind of like keep busy and just kind of like, you know, just try to do something and, you know, in that kind of keep your mind off of like, not to focus so much on the grief. Um, and just, yeah, right. my therapist has been amazing. Um, I'm doing something called EMDR therapy. Um, and that's been helping me, um, a lot with this trauma because it's almost like you redirect the trauma in a positive and not such a negative way. So you kind of redirecting your brain to think of the trauma differently. And, um, you go through the emotions of it's like high and it's like eye and um eye coordination like with a lot of tapping and like you kind of somehow right. re rewire your brain to uh, think of the drama um the trauma sorry in a different manner so that's been helping me out a lot is your husband <clears throat> sorry just um i think we're all feeling very triggered um <laughs> Is, is your husband, does he also do the EM, yeah. EMDI? EMDR therapy, That's yeah. He's he's also, we go to the same therapist, and she's great because she's also very, um like, uh, spiritual, and um, she does a lot of mindfulness stuff, stuff, and we're really into that, like, mindfulness and, like, you know, healing and, like, meditation. So um, she also helps us ground and, you know, she does like flower essences and stuff. So she works with me on the EMDR. I don't, and he does some of, he's done definitely EMDR therapy. Um, but I think it's just, I think I've done it a couple more sessions than he has, but he's been doing that as well with her. And I think it's definitely helping her uh, or helping us um, go through this process. Like my big thing was leaving Luna in the, um, in the hospital, like not being able to take her home, seeing her body there, that affected me because I have that image in my head, you know, and working with her, that has helped me to be able to now almost accept, accept it, but not have it so be so debilitating where like, I can't think about it. I'm like on the floor crumbling. Now I could think about it and say, okay, this is what it was. I didn't want to leave her there, but this is what happened, you know, and you kind of like, go through the motions right. of you know all the emotions so i know for me it's been helping i know some people are like oh therapy is not for me but for me it is and it's been a, yeah. a lifesaver i feel like a lot of people in the um in the black community and you can also speak um being a dominican woman as well i feel like therapy is still kind of taboo and um even though now there are apps and it's very easy and accessible um, to get the help that I think everybody deserves, you know, we, as we live life, there's so much we go through and there's so much to process. And I feel like everybody deserves therapy. And 
especially with um, such a traumatic experience as, um, as a child loss. Um, I'm so thankful that you had those resources and that you had the clarity to accept them and to receive that information. I'm so happy to hear that. The good thing is my mom is very like um, open-minded and she's all, you know, she's like, this therapy yeah. is what you need, you know what I mean? But it's not really talked about. And I think that the more that people talk about it, the more other people can come out and say, hey, you know what, this is what I'm going through and maybe I should be okay with this. I'm not gonna be embarrassed to try this because it's only like therapy for me is like self heal it's like you're healing yourself you know what i'm saying like you're taking care of yeah. yourself like um yeah. you need that yeah you need that what was that process going back into mothering again as you have a 13 year old and a five-year-old that is the hardest thing that i've had to do um parenting while grieving and sorry if I get upset again um yeah parenting while grieving is so hard um you know you have to still be present for your other two kids that are here I have to be present for them um you know in a way they help me um get strong you know um I have to I have a reason to get up in the morning I have to get them ready I have to make sure they're good I have to you know just be present for them because I don't want them to, although I want them to feel and grieve as well. And we all grieve, we're all in a different grieving um, and we all grieve differently. Um, it's, it's something that is challenging for me because after Luna's passing, I've never really questioned my parenting ever. You know, I know that I'm a good mom and, you know, I try my best, but sometimes I feel like, you know, there's times where I'm like, I don't want to take Lucas to this you know, I th your daughter's five or four? She's six now. Oh, she's six? Oh, my God. I thought she was younger than Lucas. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, you know, the, the parties, um, you know, mm -hmm. the invitations, the parties. And I'm like, I don't want to take Lucas to this birthday party today. You know, and I feel bad, but I need to also feel like I have to take care of myself, you know? And, like, in order for me to be good, I have to take care of myself and be a good mother. I have to worry about my mental health first, you know? So it's been times where I feel... A little guilty about just staying home you know and not going to these parties but I know that it's what I need you know um the kids yeah. are doing amazing um you know they are so resilient um we keep Luna present very much in our lives um I talk about her all the time you know I ask them I say you know mommy's mommy's not feeling good today I, I miss Luna a lot today you know and then they'll say mommy me too my little one is he's a trip he's like don't worry mommy we're gonna I'm gonna pray and we're gonna get a baby brother and he's not gonna have a boo-boo in his heart and then Kayla's like mommy I talk to her every day you know um she's like my best friend like I tell her about my day you know so we all kind of keep Luna um you know, we keep her memory alive and I tell them, you know, Luna's always with us. Like her energy doesn't die. Energy doesn't die. You know, I believe I'm a firm believer in that. Um, you know, so her energy now is limitless. She's here. She has no boundaries. So she's always with us. Um, she lives in our hearts, you know, and she now is someone, we have an angel where she's watching over us and, and then not to have, you know, to go to through postpartum without a baby is just crazy. So, but I felt like, the connection with her has always been there. Like I, that, that feeling in my soul of, um, 
of that connection with her energy is never has never left me so um you know and then i have i i light a candle for her every day i have her urn i put flowers next to it so we have like little rituals that we do um for her for like when i look at the moon now it's just so different it's so it's such a different feeling I literally feel like I'm just like almost flying towards it. And then her name, like we named her Luna Celeste. And it's just kind of like, God, like everything <laughs> just kind of like. It's so perfect. She's, yeah, yeah she was like... from somewhere else. You know, these souls having a human experience and it's not the other way around. And you have a new outlook on spirituality now. I've always been a spiritual in tune person. Um, it definitely you know, since this was so unexpected, it's like crazy how I, I I started to just kind of, at first I was like, wow, why is this happening? Did I do something for God to do this to me? And then my mom had to remind me, Francesca, God is not a, a God of, um, of pain and punishment. You know, you're not being punished for anything. And then I realized, you know, everything happens in divine order in life. Like there are like no coincidences, you know what I'm saying? Like, so for me, I felt like this, this was part of my story. This is, this was already written for me. You know, this was going to happen. And, um, it's unfortunate that this, because for me, this is the greatest loss ever, um, that anyone and especially a parent, a parent can go through like the a loss of a child is so unnatural. You don't, this is not the steps. This is not the way it should be. But, um, I feel like she, ha- she did fulfill her purpose here in life. She was here for two days, um, short of two days, you know, and she fulfilled her purpose and she came to show us love. And I felt that, and I know that she felt the love as well. So, um, even I think about it being her condition being so rare, maybe now um, with her images that she got through the catheterization, maybe another baby, you know, they can present that case, which they are going to do, uh, the hospital said, to present the case to someone else or another baby, maybe born with something similar that they can maybe help try to figure something else out and give them more of a chance that Luna had. Let the people know a little bit about Four Luna's Heart and how we can connect with you. Four Luna's Heart is a nonprofit organization that um, Vincent and I created to honor Luna. Um, when I first had Luna um, and they told me that she was diagnosed with a congenital heart defect, I had no idea what that was. Of course, you know, if it doesn't affect you, you're not, you don't, you know, you've never experienced it. You don't know what it is. So now I've been since I was so like my mind was blown when I found out that it is the number one um, birth defect in the United States and that one in a hundred babies are born with it with a heart defect and 40,000 babies a year are born in the U.S. are born with heart defects um and to me I didn't know that either yeah Yeah, um, they don't really tell you that (laughs) like they don't they don't really say that they don't say that and it's not like you know it's not it's more common than um autism and about 25% more common than um the cystic fibrosis so it's so common wow. but it's not really it's... talked about so um my organization um is basically i want to bring awareness to congenital heart disease i want to have mothers and pregnant women know that you know ask these questions when you go to your 20 week scan make sure do you see the four chambers can you see the arteries can you see this you know um 
uh, is the blood flow going in um, correctly? You know, there's so much things to be aware of because one third of um, babies that are born with a heart defect are diagnosed in utero and the other third are not diagnosed. Like, so Luna's case was not diagnosed in utero. I didn't know because her case was so different, but usually sometimes you can see certain defects um, and you can kind of prepare for, you know, your delivery before. So, cause you know, you know that your, 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 uh, your baby's going to be born with such defect. And then the, the, the hospital can kind of prep you to what your next steps are. So, um, cause is it, is it, can I just ask, is it the case where will the heart mend itself or does, or does every child no. who has the disease, um, not make it? Statistics say and show that there are 40 like known heart defects. Luna is not one of them because hers is so rare, but some of them might be just like a little hole in the heart and that might, you know, mend itself. Usually, um, they have to have some type of surgery. Um, and surgery is not a cure. You know what I mean? It's just mending the heart. It's a whole life process of, you know, the, the baby might have development issues. Um, it might have like delayed motor skills because the heart is not functioning the, the correct way, basically. Um, so usually um, you can have a surgery, um, but there's going to be probably more surgeries after that. You know, it's it's a it's a lifelong disease, basically. Are you back at work now? So the surprisingly, my job, um, they were so supportive. Um, they came to Luna's um, service. I mean, it was like a whole bus full of people. And I was so shocked and I felt so humbled. To even because some people I don't even talk to, but they still came to show support, you know, and they were super supportive. Um, they told me take as much time as you needed. So initially, I was going to have the 16 weeks of um, maternity leave, and then I was going to go back in May. Um, so then, because of what happened, um, disability was only giving me eight weeks because I had a C section, and then um, my job was like, don't worry about that. I, um, let me know how many how much you need. So I just told them, can you just give me another extra four weeks? So in total, I stayed home for about three months. So I went back just in April. So, um, the end of April and it's been, um, you know, it's been good and it's been, it has its ups and downs. Like it's good that, you know, I'm out, I get to, you know, go back to kind of routine in a way, like, yeah, not be here at home, you know, just kind of in my head. Um, it's good to like be around, you know, uh, busy, but then of course, you know, you've been in the entertainment business. It's so stressful. Like, you know, my job is super stressful that, and I take my, my work home with me at times, um, a lot, most of the time, almost every day. So, you know, it's been, sometimes I just want to have days where I'm like, Oh my God, I just want to just cry, but I can't cause I have to be at work. I have to focus on work. So I've definitely cried in the edit room a couple of times, you know, but then, you know, I yeah. cried out and then I kind of like, okay, let, let's go, Francesca. Let's, let's get it done. You know, um, because that's the thing about grief. Like you don't know when it's going to hit you. I could be sitting down and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, my fears are like welling up and it's kind of like, I'm trying to control it, but then it just kind of comes out. But then I've mm-hmm. learned how to like be able to, okay, you felt it. Let's go. Let's move on. You can't stay stuck in the grief and you have to kind of almost let go of the grief. 
and hold on to the love because that's the important part. That's how you're going to end up healing. You know, that's how it's going to, that's what's going to keep you getting better and better. Um, and you learn to grow around your grief. So we are actually doing a walk um, this September for uh, for for congenital heart disease and 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 to fund research because it's so important. It, I just feel like it's so important. So that's that's my whole like goal. And also, um, I also want to connect. And I haven't done this part yet, and I'm kind of still working on this since it's been so like uh, new to me. But I want to like give back to. Um, the hospital so I want to like donate like maybe like little blankets or like onesies for kids who are in um the nail the the NICU um in the cardiology uh department where like I can donate something to them to just kind of let them know that they're loved you know like that we're thinking about you so just make them feel good because I feel like parents also need those resources um as well you know and I was thinking I was just telling Vincent the other day that and I have so many ideas I'm still kind of brainstorming um but for me like when you ache create you know what I mean we're creative so like it's been very much a healing process for me to just edit something you know I've edited my tattoo journey I just got a tattoo I edited um us going to um talk to the neonatal neonatal cardiologist um to, for them to explain to me what Luna's um, condition was. Vincent is a painter. He's um, so he's an artist. So he started painting portraits. He's never painted portraits, por- portraits before. So now, you know, you kind of get this creative. If you're a creative, it just kind of comes out and it's helped us healing. Right. I think that is really beautiful. And um, I will put a link at the bottom of the podcast for your website and so people can definitely stay connected yeah and just just kind of like bringing an awareness to it um stating the facts like you said you didn't know that one in a hundred babies are born we did this is not really talked about so um you know just kind of bringing out the awareness because with awareness then comes research and it's so underfunded and i feel like research is such a big part of um this disease because in order to try to you know, cure this or find a cure, you're going to have to do research. Um, it's sacred timing for everything. So of course, mm-hmm. when it's meant to happen, it will happen. This journey is not something that I wish any, any wish upon anyone. Um, but it's my calling and it's been, you know, my story. I feel like I've tried what I'm trying to do is live this story graciously and try to be as positive as I can. Um, yes, I have some days where, um, you know, I feel angry or I feel no, you know, neg- kind of negative in a way, but then I kind of tell myself, Francesca, be grateful for what you have. You have your kids here. You have life. You have so much more to experience. Um, and in showing that gratitude for me, I feel like Luna's gifts that she came to give to us kind of show up. You know what I mean? So if I, I don't want to be stuck yeah. in that, in that, um, negative space. So I try to just live this story graciously. And, and, and that's really all I can say. Um, and you know, everyone's going to grieve differently. Um, your way of grieving is not wrong. Whatever you feel that is your, helping you and you're you're grieving the way you're supposed to be grieving don't allow anyone to tell you your way is wrong because it's not um yeah and um just 
I have a lot of faith. I faith keeps me going. Um, faith in God, faith in the universe, and my spirituality. That is what keeps me strong. Um, and I know that there's something good that's going to come out of all of this pain. So um, I'm just looking forward to that. I I love to hear the energy in your voice. I love to hear that Kayla and Lucas and you and Vincent are strong and you're together. I love you. And thank you so much for being transparent and telling your story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dolly. I love you too. And I appreciate um, what you're doing with this platform is amazing. So um, best of luck with all of this. It's, it's going to be great, girl. Listen, it's all love. <laughs>